You are listening to the Everyman Podcast. My name is Dan Doty. I have a bunch of good news this week. I want to congratulate every single member of our first graduating foundations class uh, or cohort might be a better word. Foundations is the program where we are training men to be facilitators, to be high-level facilitators of what we do. It's a six-month program, and we just got done. We got done with the graduation weekend, and I am speaking from my own truth here and not exaggerating that I was truly, truly, truly blown away by every man that came through that training and blown away by their skills at the end of it, and really just incredibly grateful and blown away that we could be doing this at the level that we are and that we have found ourselves at this place in the journey. It's it's just remarkable. So every single one of you guys that put in the time, put in the money, put in the care, uh, that has the passion to, to share what we do and to use this in a way that uh, aligns with your own genius, I, my hat's off to you. My heart goes out to you. Um, Thank you so stinking much for jumping on this rickety old ship with us. Have another couple cool announcements this week. Uh, two major articles are dropping uh, out there in the media world. One in Harper's Magazine and one in GQ. These are both pretty in-depth, long-form articles about us and what we're doing. The one in Harper's is about an experience that a writer had at our open source last March in uh, Ohio. And the GQ article is about a writer who sat in one of our groups for several months in New York City. And I actually have not yet read them. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I can't wait to get my hands on them. But go check them out on the stands. They are both out this week. Harper's and GQ. So speaking about our foundations graduates, a <clears throat> speaking about our foundations graduates, they will be the individuals that you are going to meet now and in the future at our events. They're going to be co-leading and even very soon leading our major events. And so I want to take a quick minute to talk about the events that we have coming up. So the next on deck is the first weekend of December. We have an open source on the East Coast at Racebrook Lodge. This is the 6th to 8th of December. And I got to be honest, uh, by the time you're hearing this, you, if you want to go to that one, you're going to have to move really quickly. We've sold about 40 tickets to that. We have 10, 12, something like that left. Uh, you're going to have to move quickly to get there. This is our third anniversary open source. It's literally the same weekend, three years later from where this whole thing started. Uh, I'm going to be there leading with Owen Marcus, Sasha, Lucas, the whole crew, everybody that um, that has been there since the beginning. The central team that's been there since the beginning is going to be there, and we're going to be now supported with our captains, with these foundations graduates who are going to be there to up-level what we do and really bring the heat. So I can't wait to see you then. The weekend right after that, we have a MELT training. This is men's emotional leadership training. This is where you go once you have got your feet wet, once you are a practitioner of sorts, and you want to begin to learn to lead a men's group or an everyman group fully and to the best of your capacity. This is a facilitator weekend, it's a leadership weekend, but you also get a wallop of personal transformation along the way as well. So that is the weekend directly after, that's December 13th through 15th. There is some prerequisites here. So either you've been to an open source or you have done some other pretty deep digging work in your past. But if that fits the bill, if that's you, we have a handful of tickets left there. Again, these are going fast too. Uh, this melt was thrown up because we had a wait list of almost 30 men from our last. So we're having a hard time keeping up to demand for that event. Uh, so again, if you are interested, probably best to move pretty quick. A couple other very special events to, to announce. Uh, we have a primitive skills workshop. We did a podcast on that last week. If you didn't check that one out, I would go back. I'd just stop what you're doing, go back and listen to that. Luke Tunkel and Aaron Blaine are going to be leading a five-day event in north-central Montana, one of the most beautiful places uh, I've ever been to. And this is a primitive skills workshop where the, where the main event is building your own bow and arrow out of raw materials with your hands 
And this is a perfect analog to the very primal communication work that we do, the primal self-discovery that we do. These, these primitive skills help us slow down, get in touch with our body, and they're a, like a beautiful antidote to the fast-paced world that we're living in every single day. So we get to get together a group of guys. It's going to be building bows. It's going to be deep dive every man work. It's going to be cold plunges in the snowy lake. It's going to be snowshoeing. It's 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 going to be an incredible time. I I am doing everything I can to get there as a participant. I had my dad cut down uh, a stave. That's what you call it when you're preparing for a boat. He cut down a seven foot chunk of ironwood in Minnesota, and he's uh, curing it for me that I hope to turn into a bow. I can't wait to go there. The last one I'm going to announce is a Black Canyon expedition in March 2020. This is the first uh, wilderness expedition that we're running in the cold weather months. And we're doing that because this is in the southernmost reach of Nevada. The Colorado River flows through Lake Mead and at the bottom it opens up into this beautiful canyon country. We are going to be taking wilderness canoes down an 80 mile stretch of the Colorado River. And along the way there are hot springs and there are side canyons to hike. There are natural saunas, which I've never even heard of before. And there's going to be a big group of amazing guys coming together that are going to get a massive boost for their life. And they're going to walk away with an experience that is probably hard to write about or talk about. Uh, and they're also going to go away with some lifelong friends. And I'll be leading that along with Aaron Blaine and potentially some of our foundation graduates as well. Lastly, uh, by the time this comes out, there's going to be a couple more events up. We're putting up another open source in Joshua Tree in February and we are putting up an open source on the East Coast in April and another in Ohio. I don't have the final dates confirmed on those yet, but they're coming soon. Please stay tuned. If you're not on our newsletter, this is the place to get this information first. So go to our website. There's going to be, you'll probably be attacked by many different ways that we're asking for your email address. So if you want to know about these events as they're coming out, if you're not on our newsletter, go on, sign up, and you'll be the first to know about all of these things as they come out. All right, that was a massive intro. There's a whole bunch of stuff to get through there. I'm proud to introduce our guest on this week's show. It is Dr. Will Cole. He is the host of the Goop Fellas podcast, and he is a functional medicine doctor who is really taking the world by storm and working with men and their, their nutrition and their health from the inside out. One of the things I was really impressed with with Dr. Cole was his very modern approach, both on his knowledge of the human body, the way to look at sickness, illness, prevention, all of these things, but I'm also really impressed by how he works. The majority of the work he does is through the internet, through small groups and one-on-one -on -one consultations, and he uses Zoom. So he's doing very, very like sleuth-like work. He's helping people take evidence and data and coming up with very, very uh, holistic approaches to health. Dr. Cole's tagline on his website is consulting worldwide via webcam with offices for whole body and natural health. Uh, I had an amazing time talking to him. A big chunk of Dr. Cole's work right now is about inflammation, and he has a new book called The Inflammation Spectrum. And to get a little vulnerable here, I went on the website and I did the inflammation quiz. And I gotta be honest, it didn't come out very well. It actually pushed me to get an appointment with a functional doc near me uh, because I didn't like what I saw on the results here. Uh, so there's some really, really cutting edge stuff here. Dr. Cole is a great guest and you can find him at drwillcole.com and you can find him at the Goop Fellas podcast. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for paying attention. Thank you for your ears. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your care. And if you are finding this helpful, please share this with anybody that would benefit. Good morning, Dr. Will Cole. I'm excited to chat today. Where are you, where are you coming to us from today? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is arguably the best city in the world. I know I'm, I'm partial there, but the, I see patients around the world via webcam consult. So um, I could be anywhere, but I am in Pittsburgh. I can't let that go without a little question. Is it that it's, I mean, did you grow up there? Why is it so good? I have not ever heard anybody say that before. <laughs> um, I did grow up here. I moved to Los Angeles. My wife's from LA. So we've lived out there for a while. I love Los Angeles. Um, but no, I think 
I'm just being kind of funny, but it's rated, Pittsburgh is rated one of the most livable cities as far as cost of living, access to education, and um, yeah, all the, all the stuff that are the metrics for determining most livable cities. Pittsburgh's normally at one of the, you know, top of the list every year. Really? Yes. Good to know. You heard it here Um, first. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, thank you for your time today. I'm excited to dive. We're just going to, we're going to dive right in. And so can you just give us the basics first for, for all the men in our community? Um, Give us just the the sort of bedrock of, you know, what moves you, what you, what your work is based on and why you do it, why you care about it so much. Just give us kind of like the underlying premise here. Sure. So I'm a functional medicine practitioner. Uh, I see patients around the world via webcam. My heart and passion is being a part of someone's health journey. Um, And I'm used to really difficult cases, complicated cases, people that have done the conventional Western medicine thing and maybe saw a little bit of changes or no changes or they're really kind of stuck and they're looking to see what's missing from their health puzzle. And um, I love the like getting to the root cause and running labs and looking at all the data and being evidence-based. And then I love the, so that's like the science aspect of functional medicine. And I, I love that. And I love the art of functional medicine too, and holding space for the person that you're being with and, and coaching them and, and being that guidance and that support system and that emotional human side of it all too. And then reading the, the space in between the words, so to speak, and, and realizing what they've gone through and hearing them and truly listening to them as healing and cathartic for many people too. So I love that both sides of, of the science and the art of functional medicine. And um, most of our patients are struggling with autoimmunity or brain uh, health issues or anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog, things like that, and hormonal imbalances too. So these are uh, things that I live and breathe and I love like just being on the ground with them, proverbially speaking, and just figuring out what their body loves, what their body doesn't love, what are the um, roadblocks that are keeping them back from feeling their best, looking their best, and, and being their best. Man, I know you're not trying to sell me, but I'm sold and I think I could use your services right now. <laughs> I will I'm hold sorry. back from go from going there, but maybe maybe I will uh get more information on one of your groups. Uh, yeah, but I'd love to. Yeah. So all right. So just really quickly, I'm gonna ask you about your books and I wanna get into that stuff. Um you mentioned there part of the art is that you enjoy the ability to listen uh sort of between the words or actually hear what a patient has gone through. And so, you know, sort of referencing our ethos at Everyman, I just recently had a, a really interesting call with a doctor from the University of Chicago. And, and he's been sitting in our groups and really, in a sense, just been bringing his emotional self online. And he, he shared that in his practice, um, he's been able to really listen in a new way to patients. So um, I'm, that's, it's, I guess I just say that because it's exciting to hear you mention that in your description of what you mm-hmm. do, that the, the human element of this is, is real and present. Oh, yeah. It's so important because when you take away the humanity and the present moment awareness of like the science of healthcare, so whether someone's in functional medicine or in conventional medicine or whatever they're doing, if they are just a chart with numbers on the labs, that, that, that's really missing the point of why we got into healthcare. Um, so I think that's so much, so much, so important to remember there's a person and a story and a life and a, another human behind the labs and behind the, the data and all, uh, the research and all of the stuff that we can get caught up into as, as healthcare practitioners. So yeah, it's definitely important and you almost, I think some of the best healthcare practitioners, doctors, clinicians are empathic people and uh, have higher empathy and feel that resonance in the in the space between you and the patient or the client. Um, and and it's interesting because I I see patients mainly online, so you'd think, well, and how am I getting that? Because they're not face to face, but it's just as palpable as if they were right in front of me, because you can kind of just know. I mean, you've talked yeah. to enough people, you have enough experience that you just yeah. know what is going on. And the more you spend time with them, the more you know. Um, yeah. So that's definitely important. 
How long have you been uh, doing your practice through webcam? How long has that been happening? Since the beginning, actually. It's, it was weird. It came out pretty early on because I love writing and I wrote really early on in this space of functional medicine and it happened pretty quickly. So it's been about 11 years. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's incredible. It was not done like really before. It was We were one of the first to do it. And then it turned out that like now it's more like telehealth or telemedicine is quite common. I mean, main mm-hmm. institutions now do this, but it definitely was something that was just a necessity from me, like giving them a functional medicine perspective early on in the day because that wasn't done. And then maybe in their hometown, they really didn't have access to someone in functional medicine. So we were serving right. as that sort of consultant uh, position in their life or the coaching position in their life. It makes sense to me. I mean, people can go run, get labs drawn pretty much anywhere, right? And get those to you. I suppose that today's yeah. modern. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We drop ship labs well. to them and they, they either do the yeah. labs at home or they go to a local lab and we find them one in their hometown. So, yeah, they could be almost anywhere. Nice. So you mentioned you like to write or you have been engaged in writing. And I know you have uh, a book called Ketotarian. Is that right? And then you have an upcoming book called The Inflammation Spectrum. Um, before we go to the new one, could you just say a couple words about the last one? I'm curious about sure. um, what that yeah. is. So Ketotarian is my first book. It's a mostly plant-based ketogenic book. So it's teaching people how to go keto the clean way. Um, And it's the way that I eat. And I talk in Ketotarian about my journey from being a more conventional vegan, uh, which was whole foods, but, you know, higher carbs and starches and fruits and things like that, to that evolution to being fat adapted, being keto adapted, but doing it in a more plant-centric way. Uh, so it's vegan keto, vegetarian keto, meaning we bring eggs and ghee in, and then uh, pescatarian keto, uh, which is wild-caught fish, fresh seafood, and then all the other plant-based and the vegetarian options. So it is a, a cookbook. There's half of the book is recipes and meal plans and pretty pictures and all the things that cookbooks have. And then the other half of the book is like science and practical like health tips and my story and uh, infographics so people can understand the the science of it in an easy to understand way. Uh, and it's interesting because like the concept of the inflammation spectrum, I wrote about it in Ketotarian. And then I knew like that's where I wanted my second book to go. I wanted it to be a deep dive into this concept of the inflammation spectrum of of how inflammation exists on a continuum from you know, mild symptoms like fatigue or anxiety or brain fog. And then on the other end of that inflammation spectrum is, you know, full-blown health problems where they're diagnosed and they're given a medication, all of that. And then everything in between on that continuum too. So it enabled me to talk beyond just ketosis, which in ketotarian, we talked about how beta hydroxybutyrate, the ketone that our body naturally produces in ketosis, it's an epigenetic modulator, meaning it does cool things for inflammation, it lowers inflammation, and it downregulates things like NF-kappa B and the COX-2 pathway and the NRP3, basically all these pathways that are high in people with inflammatory issues, the the ketone and being in ketosis lowers that inflammation and upregulates these pro-antioxidant pathways. So that was like, as a functional medicine practitioner, what excites me the most out of being ketotarian and eating that way, uh, of marrying the best of both worlds as far as being keto adapted and doing it in a cleaner plant-based way. Um, and then on the, in the inflammation spectrum, it's all the other amazing things that help the calm inflammation and upregulate pro-antioxidant pathways beyond ketosis. So what, just really back to kindergarten level here, what exactly is inflammation? How does it present in the body? What does it do? Like give, give us a, a, a master kindergarten class on that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely important to start with. I don't, I don't think it's um, elementary in that way. So most people hear it and they don't really know what it is. Um, so it's important to talk about. Inflammation is a product of the immune system. Um, it it's a good thing in balance. So it fights viruses and bacteria. It's a good part of our defense mechanism in our body. But just like anything else in our body and in the world, it's all about balance. It's the Goldilocks principle. You don't want it too high. You don't want it too low. You want it just right when you need it and to calm down when you don't need it. So the problem with 
chronic inflammation is wait, like, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, before you go to the chronic inflammation, the, the Goldilocks principle, I actually haven't heard that before. What, what does that mean? Oh yeah. So, you know, like the, the children's uh, tail, yeah. uh, not too hot, you know, not, not too hot, not too cold, but just right. So Goldilocks uh, principle uh, is my, yeah. you know, it may, it may not even be a thing. I just have been saying it for 11 years. So I feel it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the things I talk about. So I, the uh, Goldilocks principle is the concept that you don't want inflammation too high. You, okay. you don't want it too low, but you want it just right. Um, so it, that applies to the microbiome and like bacteria in our gut that applies to hormones. You don't want hormones to be too super high or too low. You don't mm-hmm. want inflammation to be high or too low, but just right. And then on a macro level, you don't you want environmental balance. And I think there is a connection even on a symbolic level, but if not in an indirect way, what's going on as far as climate change is concerned and the imbalance of going on in, in the earth, mm. that same imbalance is going on on a micro level. And these people, I mean, the people, our people, like and, and including ourselves, the human race itself is going through individual climate change of the storm of inflammation that's going on. Um, cause inflammation is really the commonality between just about every health problem we face as a society today. I mean, you look at autoimmune conditions and diabetes and heart disease and cancer to things that don't seem inflammatory to the common person, like anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog. These are the scientific literature suggests either full blown inflammatory issues or at least having an inflammatory component to them. Um, so all the things we do in our life, like the foods that we eat or the foods we're not eating, our exposure to toxins, our stress levels, our sleep, our physical activity, all of these things are constantly and dynamically instructing inflammatory responses in the body. And this hyperinflammation level is what is linked to all of these different health issues. So it's my job as a functional medicine practitioner to find out what's driving that that inflammation or what's driving that imbalance that's causing the inflammation. So that's um, stuff that I love. It's, uh, it's fun to do it with patients to get them healthy and to overcome these things together. It's a sense of accomplishment and a sense of um, just uh, the power of the human spirit and the amazingness of the human body uh, to restore itself uh, when you give it the ability to do. So, um, and then hopefully people so can. So it's, it's a hopeful. It's definitely a hopeful story, then, huh? I mean, no matter oh, yeah. what, what, what cocktail of stress and shit you come in with, like, yeah. there's a way. There's a way to find a way through it and restore. That's that's hopeful. Absolutely. What do you feel? So one thing last night, my wife and I were talking before we went to bed, and she mentioned just not casually, but um, with some pretty big sadness, she has she listed off more than a dozen female friends of hers that have autoimmune disorders of uh, mm-hmm. like many different sizes, but some, some really extreme stuff. Is that, um, is that new? I, I mean, it, it seems to me, and I'm very, I'm a lay person at this kind of stuff, but it does seem to me that the landscape of what's affecting people has shifted or maybe our awareness has just shifted. Is there, do you have a sense of like overall human health and where things are going and trends? And, and maybe this is, this might not be a, a question we have to take very far, but I'm curious. Yeah. I, I think it's without a doubt growing. I, you can't look at the statistics and say that uh, it's not growing. I think part of it's better diagnostics and catching things, but that's only a, a small part of it because you can look at, research estimates that 50 million Americans have an autoimmune disease, but millions more are somewhere on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum that I talk about in the book where they don't necessarily have a full-blown ICD-10 like autoimmune disease, like it's diagnosable with a diagnosis code, but it's somewhere on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum because like criteria for diagnosis for autoimmune disease is just to give you an idea. Like you have to have 70% 70% destruction of the myelin sheath, like your nerves protective like coating layer before it shows up on an imaging study and they call it MS. And then you have to have 90% destruction of your adrenal glands before it fits the criteria for conventional medicine to call it Addison's disease or autoimmune adrenal disease. Similar numbers for celiac disease and ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and lupus. The list goes on and on. Hashimoto's. So basically, total destruction before we're even aware. In a sense, yeah, not total, but 
but very, very high levels of exactly. And then that on average, that hap- that the, by the time someone's diagnosed, the things were brewing. The inflammation storm was brewing about seven to ten years prior to that diagnosis. Meaning, when someone's diagnosed, it didn't happen overnight. It was taking up to a decade prior to that diagnosis. Uh, so no matter where you're at on this inflammation spectrum is really, okay, what can you do now and get your health back as much as it can be? Uh, and in most cases, we wield a lot of influence on our biochemistry to improve our health dramatically. And that's really the message of the inflammation spectrum and me consulting patients is that we have so much influence on our health in most cases. So whether it's improving your health you know, 20% or 50% or 100%, it's still a move in the right direction, depending on how long you've been going through your health issue or what you're up against or everybody, everybody's different, obviously. But I have seen like most of my patients are going through really, really serious things for a long time. And they have traumatic, dramatic improvements on their health with simple lifestyle changes. It's not a quick fix, but these are things that people need to be mindful of. It's even an option for them because they oftentimes don't even know that they have options in their healthcare. They're just told, take this medication, see you in six months, and there's really no conversation that they have any agency yeah. on their health. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, it's, it's staggering how many women um, and how many kids are getting autoimmune conditions, and men too. But are men, so yeah, that was my next question. Are men getting them, or does it present yes. differently, or what is, what is that? If you look at the statistics, the, it's very much women outnumber men for autoimmune conditions. I think it's like 10 to 1 or something like that. It's very much more women than men. Um, and the reason being, there's a few theories out there. One is it's X chromosome linked and women have two X chromosomes. So statistically, they're going to be higher rate of that. Uh, the other possibility is something called microchimerism, uh, which is basically when women are pregnant, they, they're, they're kind of exchanging cells between the baby and the mom. And that recycling of that cells after the baby's born, that the baby's cells should all be recycled out. But sometimes that does not happen. Uh, and there's this something called molecular mimicry uh, that can happen. And you'll know some women will say during their pregnancy, they notice that was like the onset of their symptoms. Um, and then you have the shift of hormones during that time too, which can trigger it. But, I think that whatever the, the 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 pathway is, we know that most women, you know, more auto autoimmunity is definitely women centric over men. But there are a few. So, what, what, sorry. So, so, well, so, sorry. I'll, I'll don't mean to interrupt you. What I was going to ask though is, so what what is the general presenting uh, structure if there is such a thing for men in terms of inflammation does it does it just yeah. look differently does it show up differently no it doesn't it's just happening less in men but i don't want to underplay what's happening with men right now i mean i see yeah. more men than ever with autoimmunity so it's definitely yeah. growing for men too this is definitely not just a woman issue um, yeah. there are a few autoimmune conditions that like ankylosing spondylitis like a spinal inflammatory response where the joints kind of lock together in the spine that is more men centric there are a few examples like that where statistically it is higher in men but even the ones that are predominantly women it's still impacting uh, men so for example i see autoimmune thyroiditis like uh, Hashimoto's disease, autoimmune thyroid problems. I see many men mm-hmm. with that, where they have thyroid antibodies and they have an autoimmune component to their thyroid. And then there's other examples, obviously with MS and other things like that, that I see many men with neurological autoimmunity too. So it's, it's, it's going to present the same way, um, but it is just happening less in men, but it's still happening higher than ever in men. Um, so it's something we need to talk about because it's impacting more and more people, sadly. Yeah, and so if we scale back the sort of severity down from the the autoimmune, which you said has a pretty high bar to be called that, and you're talking about maybe just a, a an inflammation load, and I don't know if that's the right language or not, but for uh, you know for guys listening to this, is there any? I mean, because I, I'll just speak for myself here. I I just I sit and I look at your website and I have this conversation with you, and I'm like, absolutely, holy shit this is happening for me. This is real, especially been happening since my uh, kids were born, especially since my second one was born. And so like, what are some of the just sort of like 
gut checks or, or just immediate checks in, in the present moment, guys can, is there a way to say, yeah, I, I mean, can you kind of clearly say, yes, I, I have a, a large inflammation load or I don't, how do we know? Yeah. So it, I think it's important to differentiate between the inflammation and autoimmunity where most autoimmune conditions are inflammatory, but not every inflammatory is autoimmunity. Uh, not every inflammatory problem is, has autoimmune components. So the difference is autoimmunity is when the immune system actually tags certain parts of the body with antibodies and then the immune system attacks it. Inflammation is just a state of higher immune response or immune reactivity in the body. It's not necessarily attacking and targeting a specific uh, part of the body with antibodies. Antibodies are like flags for destruction. So you can measure infl like inflammation way more common than just autoimmunity, which is hard to believe when you look at the amount of people with autoimmunity. But there is, uh, you look at type 2 diabetes or heart disease or cancer. Now, there are certain examples when they, those two as well have an autoimmune component to them. And some researchers are looking at the pathways, but for all intents and purposes, most of those aren't classified in conventional medicine as, as having an autoimmune component or being autoimmune conditions. So I do believe as time goes on and on and, and as science kind of catches up with the pathways and looks at the mechanisms, we'll find out actually more of these common things do have autoimmune components, but where we're at in science right now is like type 2 diabetes is not necessarily an autoimmune component, but it's inflammatory. You have inflammation of the insulin receptor sites. It's blunting the hormone insulin getting on the receptor site, and it's causing a higher glucose or higher, higher triglycerides. And uh, the body's insulin resistant, yeah. and research estimates that 50% of the United States has insulin resistance. So that's quite a high number. And that's either metabolic wow. syndrome or prediabetes or diabetes. Many men, I mean, it's more men than women. Um, and same goes for heart disease and different types of cancer. It's really uh, abysmal. But uh, these are inflammatory. So how people can check in with that, two ways. One is you can do it, your, well, let's say three ways. One is just uh, checking in with yourself. Um, I have a quiz in the inflammation spectrum book people can take that's I just adapted from questions that I ask patients or we have the quiz on our website too for free so people can go to drwillcole.com and they don't even need to get the book if they don't want to and just take the quiz for themselves and it's adapted from questions that we ask patients on a clinical level to kind of see more or less subdiagnostically meaning we don't have labs but they're pointers to suggest that there may be a uh, an inflammatory component so it goes through right. all the systems on the inflammation spectrum so we're looking at things like hormone health and blood sugar health and detox health and brain health and digestive health, all of these sort of systems on the inflammation spectrum that I talk about. Um, and the second level would be getting a proper health history from, from somebody. Um, and then the third would be running labs and getting objective data from, from labs. And I would suggest maybe all three uh, for people who need it. Um, but things like C-reactive protein is an inflammatory marker. That's one way to gauge inflammation. We want it under one in functional medicine. So the American Heart Association, the CDC have ranges where we are looking at specific to cardiovascular inflammation, like heart inflammation. But there's a lot of things that will drive CRP up, will bring that inflammatory up. But CRP is just one type of inflammation or one source of inflammation. It's a surrogate lab for something called interleukin-6, which is another pro-inflammatory cytokine. But you can have a state of inflammation and have normal CRP. So it's definitely not the totality of gauging inflammation in someone's body, but it's a simple inexpensive lab that most people can get. You don't need a functional medicine doctor for it, even though we do run it for patients. You can get anybody, you know, your PCP or GP to, to run that. Um, yeah. Homocysteine is another one. We want it under seven. Uh, high levels of homocysteine are inflammatory too. And other tests like that. So you can run labs to kind of see more or less, like get snapshots in time on where your inflammation levels are. But as the doc, if, if you run up a full panel of, of stuff and you get it back, I mean, how, how much information are you going through? Like how clear is it to you? Like I'm guessing you just get a ton of information back if you yeah. help people from that point. Is that? Oh yeah, it's a ton of information for sure. Yeah. I think that yeah. we get, my goal from a functional medicine standpoint is to get multiple labs perspective from their vantage point, like what's going on. And we, we 
categorize things from a like casework up standpoint of like upstream and downstream. Like what are the things that are causing the ripple effect of inflammatory cascades in the body? Mm-hmm. So looking at you know, chronic infections like uh, uh, chronic bacterial issues or viral issues or mold exposure or gut centric inflammation, things like intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome and mm-hmm. uh, chronic stress. I mean, there's, there's yeah. mental, emotional things that impact yeah. inflammation. Stress brings up inflammation. It's sort of the, the junk food of the mind uh, that will raise inflammation up just like uh, junk food will. So we have to look at not just the physiological things that drive inflammation, but also the mental, emotional, lifestyle things that will also impact our physiology. Because we like to separate mental health from physical health in our you know, modern Western world, but mental health is physical health. And there are physiological mechanisms that are going on that's driving things like fatigue and brain fog and anxiety and depression. And it's my job to find out what it is for the individual because all the depression and the anxiety is for me is a check engine light. All the, fa- the fa- fatigue is just a check engine light. We mm. know the check engine light's on, but why? And you could have a hundred people with whatever health issue you're talking about, whether it's fatigue or anxiety, or depression, or an autoimmune condition. And what's underneath the hood is going to be different from person to person. Amazing. And this is probably not a very good question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would you say, again, just thinking about average normal adults, maybe just take me as an example of, you know, mid to late thirties, fairly healthy. What, what do you think is the, what's the biggest driver of inflammation? Is it diet? Is it stress? Can you, is that even a, logical question or what if if there was one though ask it this way if there was one thing you could wave a magic wand and uh sort of help or shift in people's physical health in the with inflammation in mind what would that be what would the first big thing be you could do i I think that the easiest way to 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 look at that and looking at the the low-hanging fruit so to speak of what we have access to would be food I think that um, everybody needs to eat. So it's, it's one of those things that it's, uh-huh. that's a major driver of inflammatory problems in the United States. Um, so the foods we're eating and the, or the foods we're not eating, uh, meaning like what nutrients are we missing from food, but also uh-huh. what, what food is feeding inflammation? Because there's no Switzerland meal. There's no like benign food that's doing nothing. It's serving, it's either feeding inflammation or fighting it, feeding health or feeding health problems. And that is uh, the case for uh, so many chronic health problems because you look at the numbers of these health issues we're talking about, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, they are largely improvable and supportable and healable with lifestyle issues, with lifestyle changes. So I would say it's definitely food. And then I would say like a close second would probably be like stress levels. And I don't mean that in like the, like, human beings survive to the t- today because they could handle a certain amount of grit. I don't think that we need to like, yeah. live on a, on a mountaintop. Like humans have lived in far worse times than they're living now, but it's, it's this mismatch between genetics and epigenetics. It's there are genes, our biochemistry, which haven't changed in 10,000 years. We are like bombarding ourselves with this sort of chronic stress all the time with really poor circadian rhythms. We're not getting good sleep. We're not getting restorative sleep. We're on our technology too much. Um, and we don't have a healthy balance yet. And our genes haven't caught up with all this development that's happened in a short period of time. So that's what researchers in this autoimmune space are kind of looking at as at least being components to triggering these genetic predispositions for autoimmunity, which again, have been around for a long time, but why are they being awoke like never before? Well, it's in part because of this onslaught of stressors that we're getting uh, too much too soon. Uh, so I think stress, and then if you want to add a third thing, I'd say toxins, which is another broad term, but yeah. it's environmental stuff. It's our water supply, it's our food supply, it's depletion of nutrients, it's contamination or depletion of of nutrients in the soil that food is grown in, it's contamination of soil. Um, so I would say that is, and like the products that people are using on their body products that they're using on their skin and their hair, the laundry detergent, their cleaning products. These things are also things that are linked to triggering things like autoimmune conditions and diabetes, et cetera. So those would be the top things I would say. Yeah, that's such a, that third one, I'm glad you brought that up. And um, it's such an interesting thing. So my, we have two little boys and my wife is 
is and always has been very, very strict about organic food and the things that we have in our home and the sort of the toxin level of everything. And it's, you know, as sort of a, a bonehead uh, guy, I, you know, when I first sort of got into that, I, I don't know, I would dismiss it. I would dismiss her or uh, not really dismiss her, but just like, all right, whatever. But um, I'm really starting to think like, she's right first of all and that and that um we really got to be paying attention to this because i think i don't i'm i'm afraid of like long-term effects of things like this you know i yeah. think about where I, I grew up in deeply ag agricultural place where there was chemicals literally bathed on everything you know mm -hmm. and it's just like well can't fix that now but that probably sucked you know that yeah. probably didn't do good things for me so. totally and I think in some ways, like we are guinea pigs, we don't know the long-term effects of most of these things. Science hasn't caught up with it because it's not been enough time. But yeah. I think in a few decades, we're going to really see the things that we've done to ourselves and done to the earth has long-term effects on the human race. Because it's not only impacting us, it's impacting the next generation. You look at the DNA changes that can happen and the toxins that can be passed on uh, from to our kids. I mean, really, it's a, you could make you want to live in a bubble. So you have to find a balance, right? Because stressing yeah. about this stuff isn't good for your health either. But you do the best you can with the access you have and give the rest up to God or the you know, universe. Just don't stress about it because it's really um, not going to be do you any good to worry about things you can't control. But take the things you can control and start making more conscious, informed decisions on how you live your life. Mm-hmm. So back to the low-hanging fruit and, and knowing that, you know, nutrition, what we put in our body is probably the, the biggest and first bubble. Silver uh, bullet that's going to work for everybody, right? Is that, is that the case that everybody has a, has a different makeup and a different need uh, for, mm -hmm. for their nutrition? And if so, I guess, I guess I would just offer what, if there are some low hanging fruits or things that guys can take away from this first, what would you, what would you throw at them? Yeah. So the, with, with, with when I see patients, I have to keep an open mind, right? Cause I've seen so many variables out there. What, what works for one person may not be right for the next person as far as like food is concerned and so many other things, uh, so many other variables to consider. Um, but the commonality is obviously real food. So if you're not eating like whole foods, meaning if you're eating junk food and box foods and tons of sugar and processed stuff, empty calories, then start with leaning into whole foods. But under the paradigm of whole foods, there's so many variables to consider, meaning like some people will do better with like more like plant centric and some people do more like a better with like a carnivore approach for a while um, because of what's going on in their gut, what's going on with food reactions, like food reactivities and sensitivities and uh, intolerances and um, personal preference. I think stressing about food also impacts like the outcome as well. Because if somebody's like gritting their teeth and like hates the way that they're eating and the diet that they're doing, that's going to impact the outcome as well versus somebody that is loving the foods that they have and they it really is uh, congruent with health and wellness because they're eating in peace and joy and, and, and like having a good um, time through that. So what I wanted to really explore in the inflammation spectrum is taking out that dieting dogma and food obsession and shame around food and saying, what works for your body? What doesn't work for your body? What does your body love? What does your body hate? What does your body need to thrive? So whether somebody has a preference to eat more paleo or eat more ketogenic or eat whatever they want, they just want to feel great. Uh, the goal in the book is to find out their own food piece in a way, to find what that clarity and that food freedom that people are looking for. They want to know what the heck they should eat because there's so much conflicting information online. And I get it. There is a lot of conflicting information online. So the, my, the point for my patients and the point hopefully with the reader is that they can find out what works for them and do a little food experiment and a life experiment to see, hey, I feel great when I have that. And I feel really lousy when I have that food. So I'm going to avoid that food. And it, at that point, it's that you've now made that catalyst from a diet, quote unquote, or a plan to, no, I love my body enough to feed it good stuff. And I would rather feel great than I miss that food. And that's the, the shift from like, 
owning your life versus like doing a program. And I want people to make that shift because I see that shift with patients and it's a really cool time to like be a part of and kind of see, whoa, they have that complete peace and they love all the delicious foods they get to eat and it makes them feel great. And then the foods that they know when I have that, it's not worth it. It's going to make me feel really lousy the next day or the next minute. I'm not going to do it. Um, and that's that freedom that I think transcends like uh, it's what we all need to get to to really live yeah. a, a vibrant life and not be so bound by this conflicting information on Dr. Google. I, I appreciate the descriptive versus prescriptive nature of, of what you just shared because it's, it's in our ethos here at Everyman is, you know, for example, I don't believe that you can define what it means to be a man. Rather, it's just like be yourself all the way or like learn who you are and be that. And that's the only measure of this idea of prescribing to people just blanket. I just don't think it's very helpful or functional anymore. So on that note, you know, in the past several years that keto has been such a big thing, I've, I really took the, I really like drank the Kool-Aid and tried it, but it, I, I, if I felt terrible every single time, all the time, it never worked, you know, six months at a time even. And it just, it didn't work for me. And I, I had drank the Kool-Aid. I'm like, well, something's wrong with me. I don't know why this isn't working, but then, you know, I find just a much more balanced, uh, a balanced approach for myself that isn't, you know, but anyway, that's, yeah, I, like I, I just think it was, it, yeah, it, it kind of messed me up to just go along with the flow of, of what everybody was yakking about on podcasts. So for uh, sure. Yeah. And like, even with that, like my first book with keto like the way that I brought that functional medicine principle into, cause that's really a functional medicine principle of like finding out what your body loves and hates and um, mm -hmm. like we're all different and with so many variables. So the way that I brought it into ketotarian was, okay, after you're fat adapted and like burning fat for fuel, then I think that there's so many ways to bring that principle of being having metabolic flexibility into your life. So is it doing sort of a cyclic uh, ketotarian approach? You're going in and out of ketosis. Is it doing it seasonally, which from an ancestral health perspective works for many people like more keto during the winter and then increasing carbs during the summer months. And then some people just need it for like a reset to bring the inflammation levels down and get some metabolic flexibility. And then they could go into sort of the lower carb or the moderate carb stage and they're fine with that. We all have different tolerance to carbohydrates. And I think that's kind of maybe your part of your experience with the ketogenic diet. Not everybody has to be in ketosis forever and ever. Uh, you have to find out what works for your body. Amazing. Well, I mean, there's, Obviously, we can only touch such a small percentage of, of your work in, in 40 minutes here. Is there any really sort of big news or, or anything you want to share um, from any perspective from your upcoming book or anything uh, with the audience? Any, anything that we just missed that we shouldn't have missed? Yeah, I think that um, I'm excited for people to check out the inflammation spectrum because I really feel it can be a manual to have that food piece that people are looking for and guys are looking for it in higher numbers than ever. Um, I see it in my patients and my practice and more and more guys are wanting these labs ran and like finding out what's going on and like be biohackers, but in a sensible balanced way to just optimize their quality of life and the quantity of their life. Um, so I see it as almost a, a gateway for people to kind of take action on their health. And it's all said with reason and measure. It's not like extreme. It's not fad diet in that way. It's not making broad sweeping over generalized statements and fear mongering people. It's just saying, look, like these are experiments for you to try in your life. And I think that resonates with a lot of us guys to, to really look at the evidence. And if something makes you feel great, it motivates you to keep doing it. Um, so people should lean into this science. Uh, and this is just life science. It's, it's stuff for people to, to lean into on their own. And if they want labs run, we can run labs if they want to, but they don't, not everybody needs to run labs. They can just kind of start mm -hmm. making positive changes in their life uh, today. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to inform people about this concept of the inflammation spectrum too, that it exists on a continuum uh, and they can find out where they're at on the inflammation spectrum. And then based on that result of that quiz that we have in the book, 
they can know, okay, what specific toolbox is right for them. So let's say, let's say that their hormone score was higher. They can go and bring some more hormone stuff to maybe get testosterone up or get their cortisol stress hormones balanced or and whatever area it is. If it's brain, then they bring some neurotropics in or some adaptogens for the brain. Uh, I really put a lot of heart and uh, thoughtfulness into the book that I'm excited for people to check it out. Awesome. And in which ways can, can people work with you directly? And I'm, I'm particularly curious about the group. You mentioned something about groups. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And we normally do like my day-to-day job is consulting patients one-on-one. So I'm getting the labs to them and then consulting them and monitoring them over like months and working on these things. Um, but we, my team and I have been working on for the past year, this online group class, because we obviously, as all of us do, we only have so many hours in a day. So we can impact so many more people once a month for maybe patients that don't want the one-on-one or, and we want to continue to make functional medicine more accessible and more affordable to more people around the world too. So once a month, we hold the group class where you can have a hundred people in a class and what would take 100 hours or more for us to do, we can get it done in a lot less time. So it's a lot more efficient on that le- level, so we can lower the cost for the group classes. So it is uh, something where we can drop ship the labs to them. We're, we're doing blood tests. We're putting them on a spreadsheet so you can see what's the optimal range according to functional medicine. And then we're giving them each a action step and plan based off of those lab scores. So it takes a little bit of work on the back end on our standpoint because we're getting everything prepped. So, but it's enabling them to get functional medicine uh, in a lower cost way uh, and be educated and get, be equipped with these tools during the class that I teach uh, once a month. So in addition to the one-on-one uh, consults, which are still I still do every day, um, the online classes I'm really excited about. Very cool. I'm um, already texting my wife about uh, doing something with with that. Yeah, Um, great. Thank you so much. I'm excited to to talk more about it. And I definitely love this stuff. So it'll it'll be great. All right. Thank you, Dr. Cole. Appreciate your time. Um, Oh, and I also want to mention, you're also the host of the Goop Fellows podcast, right? Yeah. And we can find that where? Goop? Goop Yeah, you can go to goop.com slash goopfellows, but it's Goop, which is uh, wellness brand, Gwyneth Paltrow's wellness brand, but her, Gwyneth and Elise host the main podcast, Seamus Mullen and I, who's the amazing chef. We host Goop Fellas, which is sort of the guy's take on wellness and life transformation. We talk about mental health and addiction, all that important stuff that guys need to talk about, but it's for men and women. It's not just for men, but it's coming from a guy's perspective. Got it. All right. Thank you so much, doctor. Appreciate your Yeah. Time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find more about Dr. Will Cole at drwillcole.com and the Goop Fellas podcast. If you are interested in coming to one of our events, please go to our website, everyman.com, and click on the Retreats and Events tab. You can sign up for our newsletter online. One more mention, there's two big articles this week, so go get yourself a copy of Harper's Magazine and a copy of GQ and uh, read up on what people's perspectives are after they've gone through some of our world. And we would love to hear from you. Reach out through the website. Reach out directly. Please give us your feedback. Let us know how this can be better for you, what things you'd like to hear about, guests you'd like to have. We'd love to hear from you.